Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Landy Lodge podcast. Before we launch this episode, we have some special people we need to thank, those special people being the sages of the lodge, those who donate monthly to keep the lodge moving, allows us to buy new equipment, and invest into the project. So, big shout out and big thank you to Charlotte Astry, Alex Pamal, David Fries, Shane Thomas Driscoll, Chris Perkowski, Corey Barchat, Scott Castellano, The Family, Andrew Parker, Nick Taborski, Kevin McBride, Michael Fay, Richard Arnold, and of course, Andrew Clay. If you'd like to become a Sage of the Lodge by donating as little as a dollar a month, you can find a link in the episode description, be it whether it's on YouTube or any of the audio platforms, or simply go to my Instagram at the.landy.lodge, and you will find a link in my bio. So, Thank you to everybody, thank you to the Sages of the Lodge, and thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, let's get on with it. Ladies and gentlemen, sickos and normies, welcome to the final episode of 2020 for the Landy Lodge podcast. We have a lot to talk about today. Uh, 2020 was a wild year for pretty much everybody. Uh, but gaming is one of those things that helped us all persevere. And we're here. We made it, fam. 2020's coming to a close. And lucky for us, 2020 had some absolute bangers when it came to gaming. Now, there's a number of games that I got around to playing, and I want to talk to you today about my favorite games from 2020. What are my top games? After all, this is just my opinion. Feel free to drop in the comments below and let me know what your top games of 2020 are. However, before I talk about the games I did get around to playing, I think first and foremost we should talk about some of the games I wasn't able to make time for in 2020, but will be playing in 2021. Starting with, first and foremost, Ghosts of Tsushima. I haven't gotten around to playing it yet, but I've got to be honest, I am overly excited to play my hand at Ghost of Tsushima in 2021. Uh, everything I've heard about this game seems to be overwhelmingly positive. And in today's world, be it gaming or any other form of media, for something to be universally loved by by nearly everybody who experiences it is nothing short of achieve is nothing short of an achievement. And Every time I look at Ghost of Tsushima, whether it's a trailer, a commercial, a streamer playing it, it just looks so visually pleasing. It literally looks like a work of art. I mean, gaming in general is art, but Ghost of Tsushima through and through really looks like a really well-crafted piece of art. And I really look forward to playing it. I'm a little bummed that I didn't get to play it before I finished the year because I'm sure this would have cracked my top five. But I'm really looking forward to playing Ghost of Tsushima. That's the first game in the backlog from 2020 that I didn't get around to, but look forward to. The next game on that list is Hades. Hades is another one where anyone I know who's gotten around to playing it mostly has really good things to say about it. And I hear that the story is really, really compelling. Um, I'm a big story guy. I think stories in games keep getting better and better and better. Uh, I love mythology, so Hades just seems right up my alley. Uh, gonna get around to it in 2021. Kind of bummed I didn't get to it in 2020, but really looking forward to it. And last but not least, a game that came out in 2020 that I didn't get around to is uh, has made quite a lot of buzz lately. 
Um, not for the best reasons, I think, but Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I really look forward to playing this game one day. I, I knew from the beginning this wasn't something I was going to play at launch. Once it started getting pretty much endlessly delayed, 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 delayed... You, look, delays happen, and that's not a it's not usually a sign of a bad thing. But if a game is being constantly pushed back, 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 it's usually not a good indicator. Um, look, from I've I've heard people talk about the game. There are people who love the game. There are people that hate the game. But to me, it looks like a very compelling experience. I'm gonna wait until we're at the better, until we're in like summer 2021. I'll consider picking up Cyberpunk 2077 after they've gone through all the bugs and patched everything, uh, and will probably play it on my PC just to be safe. I uh, feel really bad for anyone who might be listening who had to send their game back because it couldn't run on whatever device they had. Uh, but look, CD Projekt Red, they know how to put out good content. I look forward to giving Cyberpunk a try, but as stated, I'm going to wait until we're in the later end of 2021, because I'm sure by then they will have resolved most of their issues. But without further ado, now that I've discussed the games that I didn't get to play in 2020 that I wanted to, it's time to talk about my favorite games from 2020 that I did get to play. By the way, take a drink every time I say 2020. Um, I'm not going to be talking about these in any specific order. Uh, I don't have any sort of organized bullet points. I really just want to speak off the cuff about them. Um, but what I will say is I will save my favorite game of the year for last. Now, starting first and foremost, it kind of freaks me out that this came out this year. Honestly, I swear I've done this like five times already. But I'm going to double check that this came out in 2020 because it kind of blows my mind that it did. Uh, yeah, it did. So starting with... Kingdom Hearts Remind, which wasn't a full-blown game. It was an add-on DLC to Kingdom Hearts 3, but I do want to talk about it because as a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, if you follow this channel, you know I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. As a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, in my opinion, is the best pocket of the entire series. The, the combat, the story, all of it is all there. Remind, to me, was beyond my expectations. Now I want to say, I'm someone, I, I absolutely loved Kingdom Hearts 3. I did have some issues with it. Moving through that, let's talk about the story in Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind. I, I, I loved the way the Kingdom Hearts 3 story wrapped up. Again, there were some things I wish they would have done differently, but at the end of the day, my headcanon isn't running the show here. Uh, I was really satisfied with how they put it off. I thought it was a great cliffhanger. You know, we want nothing more but to get our boy Sora back. But to see Remind step in and add more context to the Keyblade graveyard, amplifying these moments, really makes the, the statement and the character interactions all the more powerful. I thought it was very well handled. I think it makes Kingdom Hearts 3 an even better game than it was. And then, you know, if we're going to talk about story, if you, if anyone can recall the secret movie from Kingdom Hearts 3 and how that threw us all for a doozy, you know, we see Sora, Riku, and Yazora and the Master of Masters all in one place. And we've got, um, you know, in very Kingdom Hearts fashion, we got almost no idea what the hell's going on. But then Remind steps in. And then we see Sora have this confrontation with Yazora, which all but confirmed our suspicions that... Kingdom Hearts is being used as a vehicle to revive 
Final Fantasy Versus 13. Maybe not in its entirety, but at least in some concepts. And the reason I love this so much is because I'm a big Break the Fourth Wall guy. I'm not huge on, like, deliberately doing it and just looking into the camera and talking straight to the audience as a character in fiction. But I am about using the plot to kind of, how would you say, lift the veil, right? Um, there's something Ansem the Wise said in Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance when he talks about Sora. Uh, about how special a character Sora is and that he has this innate ability to recreate the people we thought were lost to us forever. That perhaps he has the power to recreate the hearts and existence of those who are connected to him. And, you know, that's taken place. You see that play out throughout the series, whether it's with Roxas, Shion, Ventus. You know, it goes on and on and on. But what I love is with Remind and with Yazora, that's being taken a step further. Sora is not just here to recreate the hearts and existences of those in Kingdom Hearts. He's legit going to recreate at least assist in the recreation of the hearts and existences from Final Fantasy Versus 13. We see that with Yazora. We see that with the Nameless Star. I think it's an incredible development. There was already so much to be excited for in the Kingdom Hearts story, whether it's the foretellers, you know, whether it's, you know, having to find Sora, whether it's everything going on with Kairi right now. It just keeps piling on and on and on. But if you're like me, this Yazora stuff... It's probably the most exciting thing going on. I think it's the coolest concept. Like I said, I'm a big break the fourth wall guy. I would love to see this play out and see if Sora really can recreate the hearts and existence of those we thought might be lost to us forever. I just think it's great. Kingdom Hearts Remind crushed it. And I gotta say, the I don't know if I'd call it the best part, but the data battles, man. The data battles. I have sunk maybe 50 hours, 40 to 50 hours into the data battles alone. I just mean, you know, I love action RPGs and the com the level of combat that this game took me to in those data battles on critical mode. It's it's just next level. It's the best in my opinion and again, you're all free to disagree. Drop in the comment section if you want to discuss it, but in my opinion, it is the best combat the series has ever seen. So Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind got the year off to a great start and made a game that I thoroughly enjoyed even better and got me even more hyped for the future. And we're gonna swing back around this at a certain point. I'm sure you all know what I'm getting at, but let's leave Kingdom Hearts behind for now. Next, let's move on to the game that's seemingly saved us all, right? In a time where there was so much uncertainty, we didn't know what was going on, all our daily routines were upended, and in comes Animal Crossing New Horizons. Now, I gotta tell you, I, I played Animal Crossing as a kid. I had it on the GameCube, absolutely loved it. I played Wild World, I played City Folk, but then eventually I fell off with the series. Um, it was, as much as I had enjoyed those games, I started gravitating more to action RPGs and adventure games and stuff of that sort. But, you know, the timing was right, and it was time to swing back into Animal Crossing, and I have to say, it is thoroughly the best world builder game I've ever played. It, it you know, it's just, I'm amazed at how far these games have come. I mean, it used to be about make friends with your villagers, design your home. Now you're designing a whole freaking island. You're not just designing it, you're terraforming it, baby. And I have to say, big shout out to the Animal Crossing team 
who they have made countless updates to this game and they haven't charged a penny. Really big shout out. I have to be honest. If you're if you think Animal Crossing deserves game of the year, I may not agree with you, but that is an opinion I respect. This game is not your average game. It plays differently than most games. And if you ask me, it I think it does a great job of showing you that gaming is for everybody. Because I'm sure we all know somebody who plays Animal Crossing, but doesn't really play many other games. But there's room in the gaming world for those people too. Gaming is for everybody. And I think the beautiful thing about Animal Crossing is that it sort of amplifies that motif. Um, big shout out to the Animal Crossing team. I absolutely love this game. I've put, I don't know, I'd have to check my Switch, but I know I've put over 200 hours into it. I'm going to come back to it after I've cleared off my backlog a little bit, but I really look forward to jumping back into that world. It was a wonderful play this year. Big shout out to Animal Crossing. One of my favorite games. Look forward to playing it for years to come. Now, the next game isn't... An entirely new game, sort of like Remind. It sort of patches in a, an epilogue, a sort of, you know, uh, yeah, I think epilogue is the best way to put it. But I'm talking about Persona 5 Royal. And I have to say, I played base Persona 5. As you can see, for those of you who are watching, there's a Persona 5 poster behind me, right by my Alex Gray artwork. Um, look, I'm going to come out and say it. Persona 5 Royal is one of the greatest games ever made. Plain and simple. It's not my game of the year because I have personal preference and also because I would say 80 to 85% of this game already came out years ago. I don't see it... I, I don't think it would be fair to give it game of the year given that most of this game had already previously been released. However, with that said, I want to make it very clear. Persona 5 Royal is one of the best games ever made. It is in my top five favorite games of all time. If you haven't played it, bleh. If you haven't played it and you love JRPGs, you need to get on it. It is a brilliant game. It, it, it has a way of mixing up the gameplay, where like every 30 minutes you feel like you're playing a different game. You could be in a life simulator, right? Hanging out with your friends, you know, going to the gym, doing all these different things around the city of Shibuya or wherever it is you plan to spend your time. And next thing you know, you're crawling through the subconscious of humanity fighting demons. It just keeps changing on you every 30 minutes. And then the next thing you know, you're in class and you're taking an exam about the history of Japan. It's It keeps the gameplay fresh. The gameplay loop is so solid where you're just constantly engaged and you the game just feels fresh over and over and over. And now I just want to say I'm in love with these characters. I adore them. Every last one of them. I think... Most RPGs out there would be wise to adopt Persona's confidant system. I think this is a brilliant way to get to know the characters that you're having this adventure alongside of. Because think about it. No matter what RPG you love, think about whether it's... I'm going to spit out a few. Whether it's Dragon Quest, whether it's Kingdom Hearts, whether it's Final Fantasy. Like, any of them, right? Wouldn't you love it if you could spend time with these characters and sort of develop your relationship with them and you know in developing your relationship with them you get added combat bonuses i mean look there's so much to talk about this game the soundtrack is brilliant the turn-based combat shows you that there is still a place for turn-based combat here in 2020 2021 you know i i, I hate people 
I don't want to say I hate people, that's strong, but I hate the opinion that turn-based combat is a thing of the past, that it's an old-school way of doing things, that we've evolved beyond that. Persona 5 spits in the face of that opinion and says no. Turn-based combat can still be strategic, can still be invigorating, can still be complex. Everything about this game hit all the right notes for me. The story was there, the characters are there, the world exploring is there, the gameplay loop is there, combat, everything you're looking for in an RPG, Persona 5 has it at at least a 9 out of 10. Not to mention, not to mention, the beautiful style and aesthetic that they pull off. <sighs> Look, I could rant all day about this game. I really could. And if you'd like to see me rant about the ending, I got a whole podcast episode about it you could check out. But Persona 5, Persona 5 Royal was one of my favorite games of the year. Again, it made one of my favorite games even better. The new story additions made for a better finale. The new character developments. I mean, if you're someone like me and you love Akechi and you feel like Akechi kind of got gypped in the base game. Oh, Jesus, hold on. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off that one. But anyway, if you love Takechi in the base game, you're going to love him even more in the Royal. I'll say that without giving away too much. So go check out Persona 5 Royal, one of my favorite games of the year. Absolutely love and adore everything about it. I've literally played it twice this year alone. Um, I'm looking forward to Persona 6, but also looking forward to Persona 5 Strikers, baby. A direct sequel to Persona 5. This story ain't done yet. Gotta love it. But let's move on to the next game. Moving on from this, and this is where things get a little uh, surprising because I didn't see this coming. You know, I knew Remind was coming out. I knew Animal Crossing was coming out. I knew Persona 5 Royal was coming out. What I didn't see coming at all that turned into one of my favorite games of the year was Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I mean, where did this come from? We were all sitting here waiting for a Breath of the Wild 2 trailer to come around. Wait, waiting for some sort of update for that. And then they just hit us with, oh, so we got a Warriors game, which may or may not be a prequel to Breath of the Wild 1. I won't get into too many spoilers here. I think it'd probably be best for me not to go too far with that. But, but I have to say, I'm not the biggest Warriors game fan. I do enjoy a good hack and slash, but I played the original Hyrule Warriors and I had a great time playing it. I had it on the Wii U. It was a lot of fun, but I have to be honest, it wasn't, I don't want to call it a forgettable experience, but I've never really had the pull to go back to the original Hyrule Warriors. I played through it the first time, played with some friends, and then kind of left it behind. Age of Calamity. On the other hand, I could not stop playing this game. I've put over 50 hours into it. Uh, they tell a very good story. Um, there are things I wish they might have done a little bit differently. But they tell a very, very good and compelling story. They, they, look, I'm a big guy on characters. I love characters. I think a lot of the plots in video games are character driven. And I really like those types of stories. And in Age of Calamity, we got to see so many character interactions that we really kind of missed out on in Breath of the Wild 1. I mean, for better or worse, Breath of the Wild 1 does take place in a post-apocalyptic world, whereas Age of Calamity takes place before those things happened, so our characters have a little bit more leisure time to get to know each other and spend time together. And Age of Calamity absolutely delivered on that. They gave us character moments that 
we didn't think were going to be possible. But here they came and they delivered and tip your hat to them. Tip your hat. Tip your hat to them. They're going to make the wait for Breath of the Wild 2 all the more easier. I thought Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity absolutely nailed it. Um, again, there are things I would have done differently. But at the end of the day, my head cannon carries no weight. So I enjoyed it for what it was. It's a very fun, very enjoyable experience. Uh, anytime Nintendo or another company has couch co-op in their games, it makes me very happy. Because I think couch co-op, unfortunately, is being treated as a thing of the past. But I really would like to see it implemented more in action games. And uh, Age of Calamity delivered on that. Also, the soundtrack to Age of Calamity, absolutely solid. There are songs in that game that are just running around my head on a daily basis. I'm sure if you've played the game, you could probably think of a couple of them. But anyway, let's get to another game that took me by surprise that I didn't think I would enjoy it so much, but I really did. And that's Kingdom Hearts, Melody of Memory. When they announced this game, I remember being excited for it because, you know, anything Kingdom Hearts gets me excited. But I remember thinking to myself, like, ugh, I just want, like, a new action RPG, Kingdom Hearts. But then, you know, you put your expectations in check. You remind yourself, hey, Nick, guess what? Remind came out this year. What are you complaining about? And that's when it all came to perspective for me. And I realized Melody of Memory is more than just a rhythm game. I think it shows good faith on Square's part that they're going all in on Kingdom Hearts. Because think about it, right? Well, part of the meme of Kingdom Hearts was that we had to wait so long for Kingdom Hearts 3. Well, everybody ignores all the side games that came out in that time, which turned out to be vitally important to the plot, but that's another conversation for another day. Anyway, here we are, and in the span of what? Two years? We get Kingdom Hearts 3, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, Kingdom Hearts Dark Road... And then Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory? Are you kidding me? Four gaming experiences in two years? They're going all in. But now let's talk about Melody of Memory specifically. So I'm not a big rhythm game guy. I mean, I I'm a musician. I like to play music. So when I have that itch, I go pick up my guitar. But it's Kingdom Hearts. Gotta play it. And I gotta be honest. This was long overdue. This was so long overdue because a big part of Kingdom Hearts' identity is the music. Because when we're talking about the goddess Yoko Shimomura, she's created a, I guess what you'd say, a catalog of work in the Kingdom Hearts series that can be badass, that can be enchanting, that can be emotional, that can be groovy, that can be experimental... And playing through the soundtrack makes you realize, oh my god, there's not only so many songs that I've forgotten about, you realize, wow, I really vibe with a lot of these music tracks, with a lot of these different songs. Um, and I gotta hand it to them, they did such a great job of making Melody of Memory feel like a Kingdom Hearts game. Because while you are playing in rhythm and have to do the actions in the rhythm of the song, it's it's like an action-based rhythm game. It feels like a Kingdom Hearts game. And for them to put that much love, care, and attention into something that could have so easily just been a cash grab, I, I was genuinely impressed. I did not think I would enjoy the game that much. This is a game I would recommend even to someone who's never played a Kingdom Hearts game before. Because as you progress through the campaign, Kyrie, in a sense, gives you a summary of all the games. And I have to say... Whoever worked on the localization, they did a fine job. I really think they did a good job 
of explaining the plots of all these different games and stringing them together. And the best part, in my opinion, just because I'm a fiend for story, was that at the end of Melody of Memory, we got like 20 to 30 minutes of new cutscenes adding on to the story. And I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that because it makes Kingdom Hearts, in a sense, feel like an anime where new episodes are reaching us every few months. Whether you look at Kingdom Hearts 3, and then the Union Cross updates, and then Remind, and then Dark Road, and then Melody and Memory, it, it just keeps going, and it just keeps building. And to play Melody and Memory, and play through all those songs that I've loved so much since I was a kid, and then to get to the end, and to see the story build even more and more and more, and see it deliver character moments that we've wanted for so long. Like, look, I, I, I'm a... I like Kyrie's character. I do. But I will be the first to admit that her character kind of got pushed to the side after Kingdom Hearts 1. Kind of got pushed to the side. Um, but Kingdom Hearts 3 did a fantastic job of roping her in. Giving her a bigger role in the story. Developing her character relationships, be it with Axel, with Sora, who, you know, whoever she happened to be around at the time. And then for Melody and Memory to take it a step further and to literally put us inside Kyrie's head and in a sense sort of explore her subconscious, I thought was brilliant. And I did a whole video on this. Um, I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too in depth here, but I'm not only really excited for the future of Kingdom Hearts, I'm really excited for the future of Kyrie's character. Because I think she's really coming into her own and that we've got someone really interesting to explore here, because uh, when you get behind the psychology of what's going on with Kyrie, I think someone's a little scared of growing up. But that's another video for another day. Anyway, anyway, I want to end with my favorite game of 2020. This is my personal game of the year. This is my personal favorite game of 2020, and that is Final Fantasy VII Remake. I have no words. I have no words for how much I loved this game. And I have to be honest, Final Fantasy VII, the original, was the first RPG I ever played. It blew my mind as a kid because I did not think games like that existed. I remember the first time I ever laid eyes on Final Fantasy VII, my cousin was playing it in his bedroom and I just sat there mesmerized. I must have been six, seven years old. Mesmerized at what I was looking at. It just, I remember I ran home and started drawing up character sheets for me and all my friends at school. Like, I was inspired, amazed, and then for them to remake this game meant so much to me. And I was so scared, right? Because there's always, there's always a chance that they don't do it justice, right? And I remember being so afraid because there are things in the compilation material of FF7 that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and there are things in the compilation material that I didn't really enjoy or ever really felt compelled to take part in. But then Final Fantasy VII Remake comes in and drops a bomb, baby. I, I, ugh, God, I, I, this is what I mean when I said I don't have the words for this. I, I, I don't have the words for this, but I, I'm going to try my best, okay? Here we go. I'm going to try my best. This game was phenomenal, starting with the combat. This was the most engaged I ever felt in the combat of an action RPG. Mostly for the fact that every character 
had their own unique moveset. And every character playing as them make you feel like you're playing a different game. You know, you play as Cloud, you feel like you're playing an action RPG hack and slash anime dude with a big sword. You play as Barrett, it starts to feel like a shooter. You play as Tifa, it starts to feel like a beat-em-up. You play as Aerith, it starts, you, you, you're playing as a mage. You know, long distance magic attacks. This is starting to remind me of Persona 5 Royals way of keeping the game fresh. Final Fantasy VII Remake really knew how to keep the game fresh because whichever character you were playing as made the game feel like a fresh, new experience. But now, outside of the combat, which I think is a 10 out of 10, you have the music, which again, to me, 10 out of 10. Nobuo Uematsu and the crew absolutely crushed it. I listened to the soundtrack, or at least one part of it, nearly every single day. And now let's talk about the story. Now, this is... This has been, I guess what you could say, the controversial part of the game. But I'm somebody who is completely on board. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Because I have to give a little bit of this away. Things are going to play out a little differently here in 7 Remake. A little differently. And I love that. Because I've played the original to death 500 times. Seriously. And in 7 Remake, whenever something new was happening... Or whenever there was, like, a new interaction taking place, that was some of the best stuff. Some of the best stuff was the new things they added. Like, the big three in Wall Market. All these new additions were some of the best stuff. And, and, and I remember going through the whole game. The whole game just in a state of awe and appreciation. Because you could tell that they, they really put their blood, sweat, and tears into this game. They didn't hold anything back. You know, whether you agree or disagree with them wanting to change a few things this time around, you cannot argue that this is a game that was handled with intense care and love. And I have to say, you know, for so long, our imagination had to do the work for FF7. You know, watching those polygons interact in the original, while charming and with a well-written script, were very impactful and very immersive. But to see these characters using motion capture and voice acting and these beautiful, stunning graphics interact with one another and have this great chemistry, it was like, it just felt so revitalizing. And it, it just, it was just such a joy to take part in. And I don't know, I'm at a loss of words for this game. You know, it's not a perfect game. There are things that I would fix, like the aerial combat. There are things that I would fix in this game. But as an experience, I was mesmerized. And I can't, I can't just ignore that. I can't pretend that I played this game and wasn't like mesmerized and hypnotized the entire time. The combat was incredible. The character interactions were endearing. The music was stunning. The story was immersive. I am on the edge of my seat waiting for part two, which, you know, judging by the ending, was the point. I'm sitting here waiting in anticipation for what's coming next. Final Fantasy VII Remake was my game of the year. I highly recommend it to anyone out there. Whether you played the original or you didn't, this is a game that you will enjoy. And if you don't, sorry to have led you wrong, but trust me, this game is an absolute banger. It is my favorite game of the year. I have to say, I'm at a point 
I'm at a point where I might be anticipating FF7R2 more than I am the next Kingdom Hearts title. It's close. It's close. Um, and I wasn't sure I was going to feel this way. You know, I... And here's one of the reasons, if I could just give my personal take before I wrap this up. One of the reasons why I love the fact they're do they want to do things a little differently this time around is because... Had I just played through FF7 Remake and everything was note for note like the original, I'm not sure I'd want to talk about it as much. I'm not sure I'd be wanting to craft up theories. I'm not sure I'd be texting my friends who have played the game or hitting up a Discord that I'm in to just talk about it and talk about what could come next. What are the possibilities? What are they going to do? If it was note for note, then I would just know what's coming. And I would just sit here and be able to patiently wait for it. But because there's new developments awaiting me in the future of this series, I'm sitting here on the edge of my seat begging for a trailer to give me some kind of insight of what's coming next. So, I've said it so many times, I'll say it again one more time. Final Fantasy VII Remake, my game of the year, the most immersive experience I've played. I'm obsessed with the combat. I want more from these characters. I want more from this soundtrack. I'll be looking forward to it. But anyway, look, that's going to wrap up my Games of the Year episode of the Landy Lodge for 2020. As I said, 2020 was a rough one. It was a bumpy ride. But luckily, we got a... We got a buttload of great games to play. And I hope that you all enjoyed some games as well. So... If you're listening on YouTube, feel free to drop into the comments and let me know what some of your favorite games of the year are. And if you're listening on the audio platforms, feel free to DM me on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you can find me. The Landy Lodge, I stand out. There's a big giant eye surrounded by a bunch of geometric patterns. I'm easy to find, y'all. But anyway, look, really appreciate everybody who tuned in this year. 2020 was a big year for my channel and for my podcast. Really grew to lengths I did not expect. Um, really, I've got nothing but love. For everybody who hits me up, drops into my comment section, likes the video, subscribes. Like, I'm just I'm just happy that I could create content that people enjoy. I'm thankful to all of you who show up to enjoy it time and time again. Um, look, 2021 is upon us. May it be a smoother ride. Um, I've got nothing but love for all of you. I hope you and all your family stay safe. The Landy Lodge will be back in a, in a week or two with a... Really, really dope episode. I got something in the in the uh, in the pipeworks. I think you all are gonna love. But anyway, look, enjoy the rest of 2020. Have a very happy new year for those of you who are listening. May 2021 be a smoother ride, and I will catch all of you sickos and normies next time.